Castellani is where we discuss everything Disney from the parks to the movies and everything in between with a special Disney recipe every week. This week we're reviewing the classic Disney classic, The Rescuers. And on to the news. So some things coming in 2023 to Walt Disney World are opening soon. We have Tron opening in spring 2023. Haunted Mansion Hatbox Ghost is coming to Walt Disney World in 2023. Journey of Water inspired by Moana at Epcot opened in late 2023. We have a meet and greet with Figment by the end of 2023, and Epcot Forever is expected to return mm-hmm. to Walt Disney World for yet a third time. <laughs> I don't mm. get why. Because and, all the new shows suck? Yeah, I, yeah, we haven't seen the other one. Well, Epcot Forever wasn't all that good either, though, if I remember correctly. We didn't like Epcot Forever when we saw it live. That was with the kites, wasn't it? I think so. And speaking of kites... We have an official closure of <laughs> Disney Kite Tales at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I don't think anybody is surprised by the Suicide Kites closing. <laughs> no. Well, they were not suicidal. They were homicidal. They were attacking people. That, too. But, I mean, they were crashing and stuff. So, yeah. so Disney Treasure, the sixth ship in the Disney Cruise Line fleet, was set sail in 2024. Such a bad name. Yeah. I don't know why they went with that name. Imagineers have dreamed up a new design concept inspired by the theme of adventure, celebrating Walt Disney's lifelong love of exploration. The Grand Hall, a three-deck tall atrium that welcomes guests on board, is inspired by the grandeur and mystery of a gilded palace, drawing on real-world influences from Asia and Africa and paying homage to the far-off land of Agrabah. At the center, the signature statue will feature Aladdin, Jasmine, and their magic carpet. I just don't like the name. Yeah. They could have picked there had to be some sort of the Disney adventure, maybe. Because it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't go with the other. I mean, if if the theme the is name. like sailing the seas, I wouldn't. I don't know why you wouldn't call it like adventure or something like that. Yeah. Disney was celebrated 100 years of the company with its largest cross-company effort, officially beginning during Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest on ABC. At the parks, new decor, specialty food and beverages, character experiences, and more will come to parks around the world with the heart of the celebration rooted at Disneyland Resort. Of course it is. <laughs> well, we're still doing our 50th anniversary. Yeah. D23 Expo showed for the first time Mickey Mouse in his shimmering new platinum outfit. At Walt Disney World, a brand new nighttime spectacular will come to the World Showcase Lagoon at Epcot in late 2023 as part of the Disney 100 celebration. The unnamed show will replace Harmonious, which will end with the conclusion of Walt Disney World's 50th celebration. Two nighttime spectaculars, World of Color, one and the new fireworks show, Wondrous Journeys, will kick off in late January at Disneyland Resort. World of Color, one at Disney, California Adventure, will span the broad storytelling legacy of Disney's first 100 years and tell a new story through Disney classics and new favorites. Wondrous Journeys at Disneyland Park will ignite the wonder in everyone and feature nods to all 60 Walt Disney Animation Studios films to date. Taking viewers on a journey filled with artistry, music, storytelling, and heart. Special entertainment moments will also pop up across the resort, including the long-awaited return of the Magic Happens Parade this spring. Uh, Disney is adding more alcohol to three of its Magic Kingdom's table surface restaurants this month. The Skipper Canteen will now offer both of the Jungle Bird Cocktail and the Golden Haze Margarita. The Jungle Bird Cocktail features Gosling... Black rum, Campari, cane syrup, and pineapple and lime juices, while the Golden Haze Margarita contains Terramana, Blanco Tequila, Grand Marnay, Agavave, uh, 
Agave. Agave. <laughs> agave syrup. It's agave. It's like the new edamame, but agave. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. Fancy agave. Agave. Oh my god. The commercial for now. Ooh, agave. Agave. Try you, agave. You made a commercial. Lime juice and smoked chili bitters. And at Liberty Tree Tavern in the Diamond Horseshoe, you'll find the Gold Rush, a new cocktail with Elijah Craig bourbon, lemon juice, honey garnished with the crystallized ginger, at, and the Magical Beacon Cocktail, a special offering during the 50th anniversary, Empress 1908 gin, Bowles Blue Curacao, Minute Maid Premium Lemonade, Almond Orgeat, Lemon Hibiscus Grenadine, and a Souvenir Glow Cube. Ooh. You know, I don't normally drink on my veranda, but when I do drink, I drink agave. (laughs) (laughs) And a Mexican fine dining restaurant, Rosa Mexicano, is coming to Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin in early 2023. The menu will showcase contemporary interpretation of authentic Mexican cuisine, including beloved classics and innovative, sophisticated dishes to pay tributes of Mexico's richly varied culinary regions. And on to our main topic, the Disney classic, The Rescuers. And The Rescuers is a 1977 American animated adventure comedy drama filmed with produced by Walt Disney Productions and released by Buena Vista Distribution. The 23rd Disney animated feature film, the story follows Bernard and Bianca, two members of the Rescue Aid, an international mouse organization dedicated to helping abduction victims around the world. The two mice must free young orphan Penny from two treasure hunters who intend to use her to help obtain a giant diamond. The film is based on a series of books by Marjorie Sharp, most notably The Rescuers of 1959 and Miss Bianca 1962. The Rescuers entered development in 62, but was shelved due to Walt Disney's dislike of the project, political overtones. During the 70s, the film was revived as a project for young animators, but it was taken over by the senior Animation staff following the race of Robin Hood in 73, The Rescuers was released on June 22, 1977 to positive critical reception and become a box office success. The film was also successful throughout the world, including France and West Germany. Due to the film's success, a sequel titled The Rescuers Down Under was released in 1990, which made this film the first Disney animated film to have a sequel. Okay, so we already know about The Orphan, but we'll go into a little bit of the background on the plot with who the actual rescuers are. So the rescuers are part of the Rescue Aid Society, which is an international mouse organization. This is located inside the United Nations. They find the bottle, which happens to wash up in New York City somehow, all the way from Louisiana. I'd like to see how that actually (laughs) worked. Because not quite sure how it would make it there, but okay. You have to go all the way around Florida. Yeah, it, it, it just it, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. So the Hungarian representative, Miss Bianca, volunteers to accept this case of the mysterious girl who sent a letter in a bottle. She chooses Bernard, which is just basically a janitor of the Rescue Aid Society, to as her co-agent for the caper. They go to visit the Morningside Orphanage where Penny actually lived and meet an old cat named Rufus. Rufus tells him tells them about a sketchy woman named Madame Medusa who once tried to lure Penny into her car and may have succeeded in abducting Penny this time. Although at one point they think that she might have went with her on purpose, a part of the storyline, but obviously she did not. 
The mice then travel to Medusa's pawn shop where they discover that she and her partner, Mr. Snoops, are on the quest to find the world's largest diamond. And the diamond is actually called the Devil's Eye. They know, they find out that they are currently holding up at some place called the Devil's Bayou, which is in Louisiana, with Penny, who have they, who they did indeed kidnap and placed under the guard of two trained crocodiles, Brutus and Nero. With the help of an albatross named Orville and a dragonfly named Evanrude, the mice follow Medusa to the bayou. There they learn that Medusa's plans to force Penny down a small blowhole that leads to a into a blocked-off pirate's cave where the devil eye is located. So I wouldn't really call it a blowhole, come to think of it. It kind of looked more like a broken-down well to me, but I'm just saying. They tr- try to uh, plan an escape, but they send... Evan Rude to alert the local animals. Evan Rude get runs into this whole situation with a bunch of bats trying to eat him. As if you didn't notice, Evan Rude is a firefly? Not a firefly, a, um, a dragonfly. Dragon Evan Rude is a dragonfly, and the bats are trying to eat him, so he gets held up. Medusa and Snoops end up sending Penny down the cave into the well because their escape plan doesn't work. Um, they eventually find the devil's eye with the water coming into the tunnel, into the well. So Medusa and Snoop send Penny down the cave to find the gem. Medusa doesn't realize that Bianca and Bernard are hiding in Penny's pocket. The three find the devil's eye within a pirate skull as Penny pries the mouth open with the sword. The mice push the gem through it, but as soon the ocean rises and floods the cave and the three barely magic to escape with the diamond. Of course, Medusa, being the evil woman that she is, ends up betraying Snoops and hides a diamond in Penny's teddy bear while holding Penny and Snoops at gunpoint. (laughs) Well, when she's making her escape, she trips over a cable trap set up by Bernard and Bianca. Medusa obviously loses the bear and the diamond to Penny, who runs away with them. Local animals finally arrive to the riverboat and aid Bernard and Bianca in trapping Brutus and Nero. Then set off Mr. Snoop's fireworks to create more chaos. Chaos. Meanwhile, Penny and the mice steal Medusa's swamp mobile <laughs> and makeshift airboat. Medusa unsuccessfully pursues them using Brutus and Nero's as water skis. They don't like that too much. <laughs> as the riverboat sinks from the firework damage, Medusa crashes and is left clinging to the boat's smokestacks. Mr. Smo- Snoops escapes on a raft and laughs at her, while the irritated Brutus and Nero turn on her and try to snap her legs off. Back in New York City, the Rescue Aid Society watches a news report of how Penny found the Devil's Eye, which has been given to the Smithsonian Institution, and Penny has also been adopted. So the meeting, of course, is interrupted and set up for part two with another emergency letter coming in, sending Bernard and Bianca on a new adventure. That's basically the plot. I mean, the two standout characters, two big names are Mrs. Bob Newhart as Bernard and Ava Gabor as Miss Bianca. Then you have Geraldine Page as Madame Medusa, Michelle Stacy as Penny, Joe Flynn as Mr. Snoops, Jim Jordan as Orville, John McIntyre as Rufus. And for production in 1959, the book The Rescuers by Marjorie Sharp had been published to considerable success in 1962. Sharp followed up the sequel with Miss Bianca, as we said. That same year, the books were optioned by Walt Disney, who began developing the animated film adaptation in January 63. Story 
artist Otto Englander wrote a treatment based on the first book centering on a Norwegian poet unfairly imprisoned in Siberia. I don't think I need to read all this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would have been the same movie if we kept with uh, Yeah, poet. No, we don't need to go over that. But the writers had considered developing Bernard and Bianca into married professional detectives, though they decided that leaving the characters as unmarried novices was more romantic. For the supporting characters, a pint-sized swamp mobile for the mice, a leaf powered by a dragonfly was created. As they developed the comedic potential of displaying this exhaustion through the buzzing, the dragonfly grew from an incidental into a major character. Yeah, it's funny because Evanrude is also the name of boat engines. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and on February 13th, 1976, co-director John Lousbury died of a heart attack during productions. Art Stevens, an animator, was selected as the new co-director. I wonder what, if that's the reason why 13 was thrown in, that um, Bernard was so afraid of the number 13. Could be. I don't know. Because anytime he saw the number 13, I mean, it wasn't... It didn't keep through the whole entire movie, but at the very beginning of the movie, yeah. he was concerned that there were 13 steps on the ladder and there was 13 steps when he was boarding the albatross. Come and on. so I, I wonder if that was a little bit of a throwback to him. I know Bob Newhart was afraid of flying, so that's why they made Bernard afraid of flying. We just watched a bunch of the Big Bangs with Bob Newhart the other day and I was like, oh, oh I love those. Those are some of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Most of the music was done by the songwriting team of Carol Connors and Ian Robbins. I think that's how you say their name. And there's not really much here. They were offered an interview from Walt Disney Productions to compose songs for the Rescuers. On Prawn release in June 19th, 1977, the Rescuers premiered at the AFI Silver Theater in Washington, D.C. During the film's initial theatrical run, the film was released as a double feature with the live-action nature documentary film A Tale of Two Critters. On December 16, 1983, The Rescues was re-released to theaters in, in anticipation of its upcoming theatrical release sequel in 1990, The Rescuers Down Under. The Rescues saw yet another re-release on March 17, 1989. I don't think anybody cares about that. Yeah, we don't have to. That's fine. I know okay. people need to know the nudity scandal, so. I had no idea about this. this is I did. It was in one of the pieces of artwork, I think. It wasn't even yeah, like. One of the frozen frames contains a picture of a topless woman in the window. On January 8th, 1999, three days after the film's second release on home video, the Walt Disney Company announced a recall of about 3.4 million copies of the videotapes because there was an objectable image in one of the film's backgrounds. <laughs> The image in question is a blurry image of a topless woman with breasts and nipples showing. The image appears twice in non-consecutive frames during the scene in which Miss Bianca and Bernard are flying on Orville's back through New York City. The two images could not be seen in ordinary viewing because the film runs too fast at 24 frames per second. On January 10, 1999, two days after the recall was announced, the London newspaper The Independent reported, a Disney spokeswoman said that the image and the rescuers were placed in the film during post-production, but she declined to say what they were or who placed them. <laughs> the company said the aim of the recall was to keep its promise to families that they can trust and rely on a Disney <laughs> brand to provide the best in family entertainment. <laughs> the Rescue's Home video was reissued on March 23rd, 1999 with the inappropriate nudity edited and blocked out. Boo. <laughs> so if you have, I mean, if you have an original VHS copy from before that and you didn't turn it in, which I wonder how many people did not, probably the good majority of people. Yeah. It probably has, you could 
if you know where to look, you could pause it and, I guess, watch it. Yeah, but, I mean, can it. you imagine trying to freeze each and every frame? I mean, if the videotape is still alive at this point, and too. And you have because... a VCR that's still working good enough to pause frame by frame. There you go. The Rescuers was successful upon its original theatrical release, earning worldwide gross rentals of $48 million at the box office. During its initial release in France, it outgrossed wow. Star Wars, receiving admissions of $7.2 million. The film also became the highest grossing film in West Germany at the time with admissions of $9.7 million. By the end of its theatrical run, the distributor rentals amounted to $19 million in the United States and Canada, while its international rentals totaled $41 million. Wow. That's amazing. When The Rescues was re-released in 1983, it grossed $21 million domestically. And the film was again re-released in 1989 and grossed $21.2 million domestically in its total lifetime domestic gross... The film has grossed $71.2 million and its total lifetime worldwide gross is $169 million. That's amazing. For like, and it's not even all that long. It's only like, what, a little over an hour? An hour and 19 minutes. Right, and like, at least a good 10 of that is like the credits that run at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's not even part of the movie, and really. It's just the opening art scene it. with the yeah. paintings and stuff. And it was uh, nominated for an Academy Award Best Original Song, Someone's Waiting for You, by music by Sammy Fain and lyrics by Carol Connors and Ayn Robbins. For trivia, we have the film's popularity almost led to a spin-off TV series in 89 when the animation department greenlit The Rescuers Down Under in 90. The spin-off was reworked for Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Penny freezes whenever she gazes into Madame Medusa's eyes in the Greek myth those who gaze into Medusa's eyes turn to stone. Considered by its producers, critics, and audiences to be the film that proved that Walt Disney Productions' animation department would survive following the death of Walt Disney, it was the company's first major critical and financial success since The Jungle Book in 1967, and it was the last until The Little Mermaid in 89. Despite wow. the high budget for the time period, the film proved to be a huge success, managing to outgross competition such as Star Wars Episode Four, Four, Four. A New Hope, nineteen seventy-seven, in several European countries, including France and West Germany. France. When B Miss Bianca enters the rescue aid headquarters, she takes her seat at the dele delegate representing Hungary. Eva Gabor, the voice talent for Miss Bianca, was born in Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> According to Milk Call, Geraldine Page nailed every single one of Medusa's lines in one take. The Carpenters were asked to do the music for the movie, with Karen Carpenter doing the songs and Richard Carpenter composing the score, but a number of scheduling conflicts forced them to decline. Karen was reportedly very unhappy with having to turn down the offer as she is a big fan of Disney. The film was once one of the last Walt Disney classics to be animated by members of Walt's Nine Old Men. Stock footage of Bambi and his mother grazing in a field can be seen during Someone's Waiting for You. Some of the birds seen in that film make an appearance as well. And Your Hidden Mickey is a Mickey watch that hangs on the wall in the Rescue Aid Society Mouse Organization building. So here it comes. <laughs> and we're going to start it off. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start it off with just the plot. The plot is fun. It's cute. It's serviceable. I still like the plot of the movie. It, it, it It's produced pretty well, in my opinion. So I'm going to give it two years up for plot. Kate? 
Two airs up for plot. This, oh, 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 what? I know. Oh my god, oh my god. It's I like, don't know what makes this know. movie different than other animated films, but you just care about the characters a lot more, at least I did. Like Penny, the cat, Penny and, the mice, yeah. the like the albatross, and all that. The bugs, the drunk mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because in the beginning it says um, a warning about smoking, but nothing about drinking. Yeah, I don't think they well, care about drinking. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I, I it, it's also not expressively said what he's yeah, drinking. Those would know what he's drinking. Yeah, it, the reaction it, that they're getting is... Where smoking is always smoking. Yeah, But I didn't see anybody, I don't remember seeing anybody smoke. I don't know if I really looked that hard, to be honest. I don't remember. I think in some of the um, UN scene, I think a few people are, like a few of the mice might oh, be maybe. smoking, but I don't remember for sure. So, Tim... For plot, I gave it also two ears up. Uh, it's something that can be reworked today and released today and still be relevant and fun. So this is going to be a fun one for music. Okay, the music to me is extremely dated. It, it It's not... It's very folky. It's very... It's extremely 70s sounding. There's I no couldn't tell any it. of the songs apart. That was my issue yeah, with it. They, they, they all sound <laughs> the same. They all sound exactly very, very similar to each other. You can replace the one with the other one. I mean, of course, there's the one that... There's always a heart-tugging song at some point or another in a Disney movie. And, and it's service, serviced well here. But to me, the songs aren't all that memorable or all that listenable, especially now. So I'm actually going to give this... I almost want to say two ears down for the music. I, I just didn't care for it. Kate? I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is to be the first time we've agreed on probably everything about this movie. I, I guess, well, what are your reasons? Is it the same that I had or? Yeah, it just all sounded the same. And I actually fast forward through some of the, a little bit of the music. I'm like, it, it, this sounds like the last song we just listened to. And, and it I, does pretty much stop the movie. Marsh so gave it myself. two thumbs up for music because it was better than Peach Dragon music. That was his excuse. No way. Absolutely. No, <laughs> no way. He's going to be shocked. Yeah, this, movie, <laughs> this music was putting me to sleep. Yes. I was watching the movie and I was falling asleep every time one of these songs came on. It's very hippy-dippy like, 70s not music. Not in a good way. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, boring and just dragged the movie. Yeah, I would love to see what the Carpenters would have done with it. Though. That that could yeah. have been a little more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, for overall scores, as bad as the music is, I mean, animation. So I'm, I want to take a moment to talk about the animation style, too, because there were times where it's not as clean as I, I remember Disney being. And I think that was a choice that was made. Well, I like that. I like that. About no, it. I'm not saying it was bad. It's just... Parts of it were very clean, and parts of it you could still see the pencil sketch. So it, it was kind of a juxtaposition at times of of different styles, which was interesting to see. At the very beginning, though, when everybody, when the UN and the humans are there, ooh, that was, that I didn't like yeah. at all. That very that 70s, very like, yeah. <laughs> I did not like that. But, I mean, as, as a whole, I would give the animation two ears up. Kate? Yes. Two ears up. I missed the old school animation. The actual, I agree. Tim? Yeah, I agree. I missed the old school animation. They were hand-drawn. With, even with the little imperfections that made it to production. I mean, it just gives it that much more character. Definitely agree. 
All right. So our overall scores, it's still, again, grew up watching this movie. I think it was two when it came out. But I remember I remember seeing this movie. So, I mean, even with the music, it's still something that I watch every now and then. Of course, during the music, I'm usually getting up going to the bathroom or like <laughs> cleaning the house or doing something else. But I'm still going to give it two ears up because I do like the story. Yeah, yeah, me and Marsh gave it two thumbs up, too. Awesome. Tim? Two thumbs up, yeah. Even and, without even just discounting the music. And I had a few observations of things that I noticed. Uh-oh. No, not bad. Like, <laughs> Medusa had the same car as Cruella de Vil. Yes, and yeah, if you notice, I, and the villains do not know how to drive. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey, maybe I'm the villain. <laughs> maybe? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, it, they all drive, like, that same crazy, like, just everything <laughs> has to move out of their way. And, like, she actually drives through a construction site at one point. It, it, the, the villains just do not know how to drive. And I guess it's supposed to mean that they're chaotic. But it just comes off as comedy to me. Yeah, I don't mind it. And Orville the Albatross is like Scuttle from The Little Mermaid. Yes. We like the drunk. I just mentioned a uh, drunk mouse with the moonshine. I liked both of the um, Louisiana mice. Mice? Ma- I don't even know if they were both mice. Yeah, they're cute country they're, mice. They're country mice. They were yeah, I, I, I appreciate. I appreciated them. I, and I liked the little Louisiana accent that the woman had. So. <laughs> and they had the stuffed bear. Kind of looked like Winnie the Who. My mouth dropped when she was going to take her bear away from her before I, we knew the diamond was in it because I forgot. <laughs> That's the one part I remembered was the, the diamond was inside the bear. Yeah, to memory. But it, it's funny because the bear kind of changes because at sometimes he looks really a lot like Winnie the Pooh, and at other times he just looks like a regular stuffed bear. Yeah. So, so it was just it, again, it's a little bit like the follow through at points were a little strange. And the whole scene with the gators at the end, it was like Peter Pan hook. With the gator trying to eat. Her. Well, I mean, it was just showing that nobody likes her anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and then when Orville was following, he did the goofy yell. Yes, the, like, he did. Yeah, the yodel. That happens thing. a lot in these movies <laughs> of that era. I want to say that that's just a sound clip, probably from somewhere that they just reuse a lot. It's from Goofy Sports. No, but it, it's. I don't think it's just originally from. Is it? Did it originate with Goofy Sports? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was in. Sa- oh, okay. I wonder if they can trademark their own stuff and like go after each other. <laughs> Copyright. I copyrighted that scream. All right. So I think we're gonna wait to announce the next movies till after Tim's recipe, so I don't totally throw up in my mouth a little bit. Oh. So Tim. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why don't you take it away with the recipe we have this week? Okay. Well, since the rescuers takes place in the Devil's Bayou, but I mean, it, the only bayou that we have in this country is in Louisiana, we're going to make a recipe from Port Orleans Riverside. And it's Memorial's French Toast from Port Orleans Riverside. So you need four large eggs, one half cup of milk, three quarter cup plus two tablespoons of sugar, two and a half teaspoons of cinnamon, half teaspoon pure vanilla extract, one quarter cup of vegetable oil, 12 one-inch thick bread slices. In a medium bowl, whisk together the eggs, milk, two tablespoons of sugar, half a teaspoon of cinnamon and vanilla in a medium bowl. Stir together remaining three-quarter cup sugar and two 
teaspoons of cinnamon. Transfer the mixture to a plate and set aside. In a 12-inch skillet, heat the one tablespoon of oil over a medium heat. Three slices at a time, dip the bread into the egg mixture and fry until golden brown on both sides. Immediately dredge the hot cooked French toast in the cinnamon sugar mixture and shake off the excess. Repeat with remaining slices and oil. Serve hot with warm syrup. See, I a prefer, lot of French toast. It is, but I, I also <laughs> prefer cooking my French toast in butter, not in vegetable oil. Yeah. <laughs> so I would change that to butter. Yeah, I, I yeah. I think the butter would give it a better flavor, too, no? Anyway. And if, and if you want to Polynesian this up, you just add some strawberry compote and stuff it with some bananas. Damn. Same recipe as tummy toast. Kate can no longer complain that she hasn't won one yet. I, I, picked, I picked my movie as a joke, uh. and I won. <laughs> <laughs> so our choice is the last time we spoke was James and the Giant Peach, Cat from Outer Space, Around the World in 80 Days, and Country Bears. And Cat from Outer Space won. I've never seen this movie. I, I don't even know what it's about. Me Neither either. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be new for all of us. So this one we'll all have to pay. I mean, I knew, I can tell you the plot of... Two ears up on everything. <laughs> oh, boy. I already know it's not going to be that. Because you know what? I, I heard the cat comes from outer space because he left his wife... Don't tell me! ...at the altar. Shut oh, up! <laughs> So I don't think it's gonna be two years. There's an anthropomorphic car. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, cat from outer space. We blame all of you people for this, and we will let you know in about two weeks how that goes. As for our next round of movies, since we will moving be moving into October and the Halloween month, we try to make it a little bit more on the Halloween theme side. So, we have the haunted mansion with Eddie Murphy. And that was Tim's selection. Halloween Town from Kate. Marsh stole mine, so I had to choose <laughs> another one. But we had The Adventures of Ichabod <laughs> and Mr. Toad. And I have chosen Frankenweenie. So those are our movies for our, for you to choose in the poll. Kate will put up on our Mousellaneous page on our Facebook group. If you know, if you hope you know how to use Facebook, just search for Miscellaneous, and you'll sh- and you'll find the page. And that's all we got for you this evening. So with that, we will look forward to speaking with you all real soon. Catch you all later. Bye. Bye.